When I think of the Gospel of Luke, and when I think about its central message that distinguishes itself from the other three Gospels, the quality that is uniquely Luke, I think of a scene from the film Forrest Gump. It's the scene toward the beginning of the movie that begins with young Forrest saying, quote, I remember the bus ride on my first day of school very well. If you've seen the movie, I think you know the scene. Young Forrest steps up onto the bus, his mother waving goodbye to him in the background, and he then looks over the entire interior of the bus to find an empty seat. So he begins walking down the aisle, and and he spots a few vacant seats next to some boys. But the first boy says to him with a growl, this seat is taken. The second boy in another row glares back at him. It's taken, he says. So Forrest looks around. There's a girl who slides over so Forrest can't sit next to her, and she's shaking her head. Forrest then looks to the other side where a boy is sitting alone in a large seat, and the boy's just glaring up at him. So then, unable to find a seat, unable to find someone who would allow him to sit next to them, that's when we hear the voice of the older Forrest, played, of course, by Tom Hanks, who's reflecting aloud back on that moment. And he says, you know, it's funny what a young man recollects, because I don't remember being born. I don't recall what I got for my first Christmas. And I don't know when I went on my first outdoor picnic. But I do remember the first time I heard the sweetest voice in the whole wide world. You can sit here, said a young girl named Jenny, motioning Forrest to the empty seat next to her. I had never seen anything so beautiful in my life, older Forrest said. She was like an angel. To which Jenny said, well, you're going to sit here or aren't you? I love that scene. It is so gospel of Luke. If the gospel of Matthew is about showing us a different way to live, and if the gospel of Mark is about experiencing the resurrection every day, then the good news, according to the gospel of Luke, is that God's love is inclusive and welcomes everyone to have a seat on the bus. So as you're reading through this gospel as part of our Bible Project 2020, I encourage you to use this as the guiding question in each story. Ask yourself, what does this passage tell me about God's inclusive love in which all are welcome? And you'll discover along the way many, many stories that are unique to Luke's gospel and reinforce that point. You'll hear an old man named Simeon pick up the baby Jesus and declare him as a, quote, light for revelation to the Gentiles. Only Luke mentions that. You'll hear John the Baptist say the phrase, quote, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. Only Luke mentions that too. You'll hear Jesus tell the story of the good Samaritan in which a foreigner is the hero who helps the man on the side of the road. Only Luke mentions that. And then, of course, Luke also wrote the book of Acts, which is filled with examples of God's love expanding wider and wider to include more and more people. There are tons of stories like this from Luke. But if you want an example right away, then look no further than today's scripture reading in which Luke alone tells the story 
of the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached. Jesus was 30 years old, and when he began his public ministry, he chose to preach his very first sermon in his hometown synagogue, right there in front of his hometown crowd, the people who knew him best, and the ones who probably felt a little bit of privilege about Jesus being one of them. (laughs) Were they in for a surprise? Jesus picked a scripture from the book of Isaiah that was sure to be a crowd pleaser. I mean, mean, it had to be a text that they knew well, because they knew their Hebrew history. They knew how much the Israelites had been suffering at the hands of their enemies for for thousands of years, beginning beginning with the Egyptians in the book of Exodus, and over thousands of years to follow. The Israelites were simply unwilling pawns in a, in a global power struggle that saw one empire rise after another to, to take them over and control them. There were the, uh, the Canaanites and the Philistines and the Moabites, and then, then on to the Assyrians and the Babylonians and then the Persians and then the Greeks, and now the Romans. The, the Israelites had pretty much become the punching bag of the world. You can bet they knew this passage from Isaiah. They probably had it memorized because they claimed this passage as their own. Now, the original scripture from Isaiah goes like this. The Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners. And now listen to this last line in the original scripture from Isaiah. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God. Now, when that hometown kid from Nazareth got up and started to read this passage in front of them, you can bet they started to get excited. You can bet they were hanging on every word eager to hear that last line, that beautiful last line in which Jesus would declare that this day is a day of vindication against their enemies. I bet they couldn't wait to hear that last line. I bet they couldn't wait to break out into cheers of, hooray, God is on our side. God God will stick it to our enemies. God will give us the victory. Take that, you Romans. USA, USA. Well, maybe not that last part. But do you know What happened instead? Well, Jesus started to read that text. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed. And then he got to that last line. And he said, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he stopped talking. And then he sat down. He left out the line and a day of vindication for our God. And that's when the crowd started mumbling and grumbling. It would be like if a politician ended a stump speech without saying the words, God bless the United States of America. What these people in the synagogue wanted was a stump speech, A barn burner of a reminder that God was going to strike down their enemies and they were going to have a front row seat to watch it happen. But Jesus didn't deliver that line. And the crowd started getting angry. Angry at the notion 
that God wasn't just there to bless them. But here's the deal. Jesus was only getting started because then he called himself a prophet. Oh boy. Apparently Jesus had been doing the Bible Project 2020 because he started quoting some stories from the Hebrew Bible involving some prophets that many of us read about back in March. He said to the crowd, remember Elijah? Remember that long three and a half year drought that devastated the land and the people? And do you remember who God saved from death? A foreigner, a widow from the land of Zarephath. And then he said to the crowd, remember Elisha? Remember the time he was able to heal a man of leprosy? And and do you remember who that man was? A foreigner, a general from Syria. Jesus used his very first sermon in front of his hometown crowd to tell them that God didn't belong to them. That they had no copyright on God's agenda. That they could not corner the market on God's salvation. By stopping short of delivering the line about God bringing vindication on their enemies, and by aligning himself as a prophet along the lines of Elijah and Elisha, Jesus was declaring that his mission was one for the world, not just for a tiny pocket of people. Instead, according to Luke, Jesus would spend his entire ministry going up to people who were suffering from indignity and injustice and saying to them, just like Jenny said to Forrest, here, have a seat next to me. He came to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and that is still his mission today. To the family of Brianna Taylor, suffering from the harm of a verdict that seems unjust, Jesus says to them, And to all who are suffering from the racism of our day, here, have a seat next to me. To those of us who are genuinely struggling with the racism and privilege within our own hearts and lives, and who are genuinely wanting to be more than not racist, but also be anti-racism, Jesus says to us, here, have a seat next to me. To the loved ones, of the 200,000 people who have died throughout this COVID pandemic, including over 13,000 people here in Florida, Jesus says to them, here, have a seat next to me. To the LGBTQ person who's struggling between hiding who they really are or subjecting themselves to taunts and jeers, Jesus says to them, here, have a seat next to me to the persons who are trying to stop committing verbal violence against those who disagree with them and choose instead the harder way of dialogue and empathy, Jesus says to them, here, have a seat next to me. Unfortunately, this passage in Luke has a very sad ending. You know, when the hometown crowd didn't hear what they wanted to hear, they turned into a lynch mob. They felt betrayed They thought that their citizenship in Jesus' hometown would grant them sole citizenship in God's kingdom. And so they tried to kill Jesus right then and there. It's a sad story. But the lesson from it is the best kind of good news. 
God's love is wider than ours. God's agenda is bigger than ours. And it's a good thing that this was the mission of Jesus. It's a good thing that Jesus came to save more than just his hometown crowd, more than just the Jews, more than just the ones who looked like him. Because if God's love weren't bigger than that, then you and I wouldn't be here. And I think that's good news. Now, all you and I have to do is widen our circle of love in the same way. Let's pray. God, thank you for the expanse of your love, which meets us where we are. Teach us to share that kind of love with wider and wider expanses of people, and not just those who look or act or think like us. Forgive us for practicing a narrow love. Illuminate our bias and privilege and help us to say to everyone, here, have a seat next to me. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.